What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode five hundred and twenty-nine, coming to you on Wednesday, January tenth. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including the Trojans getting a couple of big transfer portal gets. Uh, some new coaching news in the college football world and the pro football world, I guess. Uh, and so much more here on this episode, including the nominees for the annual Roddies, the Rain of Troy Awards. Going to come up next week. We're super excited about that. So we're going to give you the nominees this week. Give you a chance, the Rotbots, a chance to vote and have your say in the Roddies. So look forward to that later on in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you get your pods, we are there. Email address reignoftroy at fansided.com and our phone number 818-643-7227. Second Whisper and Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rain Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Alicia, it is over. It is over. The season? No, the Pete Carroll era. The Pete Carroll era is over. Yeah. Yes, that is that is correct. I mean, it it, it has been over at USC, <laughs> and this is my annual reminder because the College Football Hall of Fame uh, uh, nominees for I mean, well, inductees for twenty twenty four was were just announced. Mm-hmm. This is my annual reminder that Pete Carroll is ineligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because yes. they have an arbitrary uh, an arbitrary requirement for coaches that they have had to have coached ten years. 100 games and Pete Carroll coached nine years, 97 games. Yes. Um, 60% uh, win percentage as well as part of the. Bill Walsh, who Pete Carroll coached under in San Francisco, famously returned to college football after he retired from the NFL. Coached for the, for the Stanford Cardinal in the early 90s. Wouldn't it be cool? It'd be cool to see it repeat. I. Not at I SC, don't know. They, like, he. You know, the. It, Obviously doesn't. He's work an out, NFL but. guy, but so I don't know what his priorities are. Sure. But if I was Pete Carroll, I would absolutely be keeping my eyes out for an opportunity where I could go coach a couple years mm-hmm. and and get the Hall of Fame. That that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. It it would it would be cool. Even if he like went back to his 
I think it was at uh, Azusa, Pacific. Yeah, Pacific. Not Azusa Pacific, but just no, Pacific, Pacific. I think. Do they even have a football team? I have still? no I idea. I don't even know. I have no idea. Don't even know. Um, either way, I think it'd be I think it'd be a good bet for him to get into uh, the Hall of Fame if he was able to come back and coach another season in college football. But I'll tell you what else is a good bet, Alicia DraftKings. Trojan fans, you can go over to DraftKings. They have a fantastic sign-up offer and bonus for new users right now. You can place a bet for 5 bucks on anything to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You'll also be able to be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. Perfect time for the NFL playoffs. Uh, and the best part is that you will receive both rewards even if you, your first bet loses. So when you join DraftKings, be sure to use the sign-up code Reign of Troy, all one word, Reign of Troy. Using the code Reign of Troy not only gets you the great bonuses, but helps directly support this very podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Reign of Troy to maximize your first bets and parlays. The offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states, please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, as always, there's a ton of news to get to. So, Alicia, let's just not beat around the bush and get right to it, huh? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's start with USC news. I know everyone wants to talk about uh, Nick Saban retiring. We could talk about Pete Carroll till, till we're blue in the face, but we got to talk about USC's new quarterback, Jaden Mayava, the uh, UNLV quarterback, uh, is has committed to the Trojans in a big recruiting flip, flipping from Georgia. To the Trojans on Tuesday nights, Greg Biggins of uh, 247, uh, Crystal Bald Mayava to USC on Monday and then changed it to Georgia in the afternoon on Monday evening, committed to Georgia. On Tuesday, there were rumblings that USC was still on it, and Tuesday night, he flipped to USC. Uh, Wednesday, he officially announced his commitment to the Trojans. Mayava, 6'4", 220. Three years of eligibility remaining. He was the Mountain West Freshman of the Year. Completed 63.5% of his passes uh, for the Rebs. Um, 3,000 yards, 17 TDs, 10 picks. Passer rating of a buck 47.1. Uh, 277 yards on the ground. Three touchdowns. Um, bright future for this kid coming over to SC in an interesting spot because 
there's Miller Moss, and now there's Jaden Mayava. Not Kaluka, but Jaden. <laughs> yeah, Jaden Mayava. Uh, yeah, this was a, a kid that, as soon as he came back into the, well, he came into the transfer portal, I identified as somebody that would have, would pit, fit the profile of what USC needed as far as a quarterback to add this year pretty much perfectly. If you couldn't get somebody like Dante Moore, who I think would be considered probably the best of the of that range of quarterback, uh, Jaden Maiava stands out as a, a pretty pretty solid get here. Uh, he was productive at UNLV. He was uh, he he was effective. Obviously, Mountain West Freshman of the Year. He came in um, after a few games because of an injury. He started as a backup and then and then took over the starting job and really took over that role and and really developed as a as a leader and a and a quarterback and was a bit of a gamer and and seemed like he has a, a bright future. Uh, he comes to USC at a time when. A starting job is by no means guaranteed. Uh, Lincoln Riley has stated that there will be an open competition in the spring, but you, you you need multiple quarterbacks in order to have an open competition in the spring. And Miller Moss's Holiday Bowl performance, I think, made it really difficult for USC to recruit the upper echelon quarterbacks uh, that were out there in in um, in the portal mm-hmm. because Miller Moss has been developing in Lincoln Riley's system for two years. And what he showed in the Holiday Bowl shows he's he's you know, pretty capable. It might be difficult to beat him in a competition when you arrive at er- the earliest in the spring, and then uh, have to have to sort of hope that you end up in a starting job if you're one of those top 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 tier guys. So Maeva is not in that top tier, but he's one of those players that has the eligibility available that. He can come into USC and bet on himself and say, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit the ground running so hard that I'm going to win the starting job in 2024, which should be his mentality. But also, if he doesn't win the starting job in 2024, it's not the end of the world because he has eligibility. He can uh, continue to to grow and learn in the system, learn from Lincoln Riley, the quarterback guru himself, and then try to win the job uh, if Miller Moss ends up leaving after 2024 or reevaluating his options after after that season. So he gives USC the depth that USC lost with Malachi Nelson, mm-hmm. um, who, by the way, I, we didn't put in the rundown, but Malachi Nelson um, uh, committed to Boise State. Yeah. Uh, so that's where, where Malachi Nelson has landed. Uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting that USC picks up a G5 quarterback to replace a five-star guy who ends up in the G5 anyways so it's that I thought that was interesting but uh either way this is a in terms of profile feels really really strong gives USC uh th- that tiny bit more depth that they needed um I would argue they it wouldn't go wrong with another quarterback but uh, that might be pushing pushing their luck a, a little bit Jake Jensen might might be have to be the third guy uh but for now this is this was extremely necessary. USC could not go into spring camp and feel good about the only sort of established scholarship quarterback on the roster being Miller Moss. That's not how a competition happens. Yeah. I will say, just to be honest, uh, the recruiting around Jaden Maiva makes me a little nervous. In what sense? In the sense that he visited USC over the weekend... Things sounded like they were pretty good with USC. Um, Monday morning, Greg Biggins says, crystal ball, he's going to USC. Now, I don't know where that crystal ball came from, but usually a guy of Greg Biggins' uh, stature, when he when he puts in a crystal ball, it's because he's got a good source and he knows. Right. And then out of nowhere, boom, no, actually it's Georgia. And he commits to Georgia on Monday night. He's going to Georgia. He gives quotes to recruit it, to recruiting services. I picked Georgia. I want to compete at Georgia, blah, blah, blah. And then Tuesday, it's like, well, wait, no. Uh, mate, well, just kidding. Going to USC. Like, I I, I never want to read too much into the wishy-washiness of, of, these, of these guys. These are huge decisions. I've been wishy-washy on huge decisions in the past, and, and I get it that you can make a decision and then regret it or you can reevaluate or you can sort of uh go back and flip or whatever that that happens that doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like a red flag 
But there is yeah. the question of, okay, well, what changed? What changed between Monday morning and Monday night? What changed between Monday night and Tuesday? What role does NIL have to do with this? What role will NIL have to do with this, that, or the other thing? Are you actually willing to stick it out if by the end of spring um, you uh, you have a situation where it is very clear that Miller Moss is going to be the starting quarterback? Uh, are you willing to sit behind Miller Moss in, in 2024 if that's the way things fall out? Like, this is a guy who spent the last season as a regular starter at UNLV, and we know that, like, at Oregon, Dylan Gabriel is there for a year, but Miller Moss has more than a year of eligibility available, so he might be there for two years. Is, is you know, what's the long-term future of Jade Maiava if he doesn't win the starting job right away? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what will that look like in terms of additional transfers or, or you know behind the scenes you know, dis- dissatisfaction or or anything like that like I don't I don't know I'm not uh, this is pure speculation that has nothing to do with any knowledge of this kid or anything like that it's just one of those things where USC was always going to find itself in a tricky situation at quarterback this year uh, and it feels like that situation this is huge for resolving that situation but that doesn't mean that the trickiness of it isn't still <laughs> something that USC has to navigate very carefully I don't know that it's a bad thing that he flipped and flipped back. Um, well, he's coming to USC, which I think is literally the, the most important well, thing. Well, yes, but like this is we're in the NIL world, right? So if Georgia can come in at the last second and get him to flip to them and SC could still get him to flip him back, shouldn't that make you feel better about SC's ability to recruit in sort of this landscape? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like it should, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think the interesting thing for Mayava is that he, like, SC was in a position, like, you, like you've like you outlined in terms of numbers, of needing bodies. And if you could, you have so many options this offseason. You can go all in on Miller Moss. You could go all in on a transfer quarterback like Will Howard, who ultimately went to... Um, Ohio State, there was Cam Ward, who ultimately went to the NFL. It, it, you could have gone all in on those guys for the one-year, um, one-and-done kind of thing. Or you could kind of hedge your bets and go in with Mayava, someone like Mayava and Moss to push each other, see what see what happens for, for this next season, and sort of like where you're at and trust the process of, of your, 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 your scheme, trust your ability to recruit those guys, trust your ability to see what you can get the most out of them, etc. And that's the route that went down. I, is it the route I would have predicted before the season? No, but I think that we've talked about it before. If there's anyone to be trusted with quarterbacks, it's Lincoln Riley. If Lincoln Riley has decided that his trust is in the combination of Moss and Mayava, whether whoever that ends up being at the end of August, then so be it. I think, you know, Lincoln Riley has deserved the, the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't, I would never have bet this in a million years that USC's quarterbacks would have been Moss and Mayava going into next season at all. And yeah. then, you know, you look at the numbers and it's fascinating to look at Jaden Mayava's numbers. Uh, in November alone, 13th in the country, with a passer rating of a buck seventy one point oh five, of those quarterbacks who uh, were ranked with better passer ratings, only eight of them had passing had um, sorry only six of them have had higher yards per attempt uh, than Mayava and those guys. Let's see if you know them: Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Preston Stone, Jaden Milrow, uh, Daquan Finn. And Rocco Becht. You know most of those guys, right? Yeah. But, so, mean, like, it's, it's, some... good, it's good company. Like, it's, yeah. It's good company to be in. Well, and, uh, and that was And that was at UNLV with in in the, the Mountain West. So what can he do uh, in the Big Ten, which is, God, that's weird to say. Uh, but with, you know, SC's talent around him, with Zachariah Branch and with, uh, whoever else USC has at receiver to throw the ball to, Kyron Hudson, uh, Deuce Robinson, Lake McCree, all those guys. Um, plus Lincoln Riley, who we've talked about it before. 
every quarterback who's been under him has been a success. So uh, there's no reason to think that whether it's Moss or Mayava that they're not going to be a success this year, next year. Um, just at least in terms of successing, I mean, su- succeeding, succeeding. Yeah, yeah, there's the word. Well, uh, and and failing, they're going to be on the the succeeding side of that thing. Yeah, I, and and that's the thing is I am fairly comfortable with a competition between Miller Moss and, and Jaden Mayava. Right. The way I see it, Miller Moss is USC's 2024 quarterback, and Jaden Mayava is an intriguing backup. That's the way it looks, but if it's not that, if that's not the case, if Mayava beats then him out, then that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I yes. think so too. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Which is which is why I think this is such a big get for USC because it it's at, when, when at was the worst last it's time, a safety blanket. When was the last time you you had a quarterback battle at SC where it felt like there was some equity for multiple dudes going into the quarterback battle? Uh, Sears, um, mm, you're gonna talk about Sears Slovis Daniels, yeah. Sears Slovis Daniels, I think that was always gonna be JT, but he was a true freshman, like, he yeah, was, but like, uh, it, it, it didn't really feel like there was, e- like, yeah, my and Moss have like. My office got the experience of several game starts. I, Moss has the experience of being at USC, but like that sort of balances out a little bit. I think it's pretty equal footing. Honestly, I don't. I don't think it's equal footing. I think this is Miller Moss's job. If so, if so, then you know more power to him. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, the other option, as our friend Tim in LA is is hoping for. Um, is Caleb Williams coming back <laughs> for year three at USC? He's he's given us a super chat and said, donating so you roast me again for holding out hope that Caleb Williams doesn't declare for the draft. He has not publicly declared. He has not publicly declared. Mm-hmm. That what does- will you do? What will you do on this on this very podcast if he comes back? If Caleb raw Williams raw oysters? Do you do raw oysters? No? no, because in order to do oysters, we'd have to procure oysters. Yeah, and I is, don't, I'm not mm, putting that much effort this into is it. true. I will. W- would, would you have one of Jesse's biscuits? No. No. <laughs> no. What, what I will do is I will um, take a pickle and dip it in. Tim says hot sauce. Hot sauce. Okay. We will take a pickle and dip it in hot sauce. Wow. If he comes back. It'll be probably like sriracha or something like that because we have that and my brother has pickles, so I can I can go, you know, grab a pickle from from my <laughs> brother and sister in law and, and uh that that'll be that. But I don't need to do that because guess what? He's not coming back, y'all. <laughs> I, I, he okay. he waited until literally the last possible second to uh, com- to announce his re- like coming to USC in the first place. Mm-hmm. He is not spurning the draft. I know that there's I, crazy things happening and and guys that you wouldn't expect to come back have come back, but the the, the chances of of Caleb Williams deciding not to be the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft well, is maybe the, the bears still want to go all in on Justin Fields. If they want to go all in on Justin Fields, that's fine. Caleb Williams can go to the commanders and go home. Like he is not coming back. I, I am beyond <laughs> certain. I have gotten I mean, tricked. Realistically, I've gotten tricked into, into convincing myself that maybe Juju, maybe a Dory, maybe they want to come oh, back and win. I, something. I remember convincing myself it was going to be Lindale. Yeah, no, a million guys that we've convinced ourselves we're going to come back. They never, they don't come back. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is yeah. not coming back. He is going to the draft. If he does not, I, live mm. on air, will eat a pickle dipped in hot sauce. Book it. Yeah. Uh, they don't come back just like Jack doesn't survive at the end of Titanic. <laughs> uh, he never does. You, you might think he does, but he doesn't. Uh, for all intents and purposes, Caleb Williams declared for the NFL when draft. he sat out the bowl. When he set out the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. He set out the bowl game. That was it. Uh, realistically, I think he declared from the NFL draft uh, when he scored that touchdown uh, in Red River as a true freshman. <laughs> I think that's when he declared for yeah. the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not coming back, says Funny on MC in the chat. Um, 
other transfer portal stuff to talk about. Um, USC has gotten a big commit from Isaiah Rakes, 6'2", 320, nose tackle from Texas A&M, the Aggies. One year of eligibility remaining. He graded out at 72.3 by Pro Football Focus. For reference, no USC defensive linebacker, uh, defensive linebacker, defensive lineman, with regular snaps rated better than Tyrone Teleni's 70.2. So better than him. Uh, 17 tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, pass deflection, and a forced fumble last year uh, for the Ags. Um, where where stand you on this one? This is huge. Huge. Yeah. Mostly because this guy is huge. 320? Uh, 320, a true nose tackle. This is what USC has been lacking in terms of a true nose tackle. I was hopeful that Keon Bars would would come in and be that size guy next to next to Bear Alexander, and obviously that didn't work out. But this mm-hmm. is a guy who comes in and is absolutely the nose tackle next to your defensive tackle, Bear Alexander. Uh, last year, Danton Lynn uh, on his defense had 325-pound Jay Toya at nose tackle, anchoring their line playing a very critical role, even though in terms of, of pr- production, Jay Toya didn't have a ton of production, but you don't need a ton of production from your nose tackle. You need them to be there to fill a hole, to eat up space, to be a large human being that is very difficult to move out of the way. And that is what uh, what Isaiah Rakes does. He is good against the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. He's got the size. Uh, he has uh, a wealth of playing experience, even though he wasn't necessarily always a regular starter yeah. at Texas A&M. When you look at Isaiah Rakes, there, I think when when you're USC and you're looking at Isaiah Rakes, knowing that he wasn't a regular starter at Texas A&M, you think, well, why couldn't he be Stevie Tuokolovatu, somebody who was buried on a depth chart at Utah and comes in and just gets his opportunity to 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 be a large human in the middle who opens up opportunities for everybody else on that line. Rake should be Bear Alexander's best friend uh, going into 2024. This is big. You Just like USC couldn't go into, into the new season without another quarterback on the roster ready to go, it was going to be very difficult for USC to pull off this defensive turnaround if they didn't upgrade some size mm-hmm. especially in terms of the nose tackle position yeah. next to Bear Alexander and uh, USC has gotten some defensive linemen that I really like that uh, that I think can be very productive um, for this coming season in, in the transfer portal but none of them have the sheer size that uh, that, that um, Rakes brings and that's you, you can't you can't overvalue that at all I think this is potentially the biggest transfer uh not not just literal but literal but well, uh, the 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 biggest transfer that when we talk about whether yeah. or not USC was able to pull off the defensive transformation USC has gotten a bunch of guys who I expect to be impact players mm-hmm. but those impact players will have an easier time of having an impact right because theoretically somebody like Rakes being able to have uh a just an anchor in the center of the defense which is something that USC has not had Essentially, since Stevie Tuukolavatu. So I feel like we talk about every year. Could this guy be the Stevie T? I mean, um, yes, Stevie Tuukolavatu is so like. If you're new to USC football and you you don't get <laughs> it, no I feel idea. I feel bad because like I don't think there's a player who played a more pivotal value role in a football team than Stevie Tuukolavatu on that 2016 defense. Mm-hmm. Literally, it like literally played a gigantic role, like one role who just like made everything work around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't the star of that defense, and that was the point. That was the point. He didn't have Green to be. gets to be the star of that defense because Stevie T is in there. We had Tenet seen we had seen Rasheen Green yeah. the year the the years before the two years before not be nearly as effective in part because USC didn't have somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I looked. I looked it up just now while you were talking. Stevie T uh, at Utah. I'm like, how do these rakes numbers compare? Well, Stevie T was more productive at Utah uh, than rakes was at A and M. Well, um, I think but by by double. But I think the interesting thing is 
What do you think Stevie T's size listed on TFB stats is? 315? 61320. Three, there you go. Rake 62320. What I'll say, my my quick perception, and obviously this is this is relatively new, so we haven't had a ton of time to like deep dive into, into Rake's the way that we got to experience CVT. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can expect the pass rushing um, effectiveness that Stevie T brought to the table uh, from Isaiah Rakes. I don't think that's he, his. He wasn't a big pass rusher. Though, no, but either. he was disruptive. He was a run blocker. He, he I mean, was, a run stopper. Yes, he was a run stopper, but he was also disruptive. He was reasonably productive in that sense. Yeah. I think when you're looking at what USC is going to get out of out of Rakes, you shouldn't think of productivity like. Number one, I think any productivity you get from a nose tackle is a cherry on it's top, the way yes, that I see 100%. it. 100%. Um, so, but you have to look at it from in that way. There are nose tackles that you get productivity out of, and those mm-hmm. are extremely, extremely valuable. But tackles and tackles for loss and sacks, those stats don't matter as much to me for a nose tackle because that's generally their job is not to be... Yeah, their job is to help everybody else be more productive. It's a it's a really thank thankless job, but a critical one that USC has been been lacking. Um, so the lack of productivity, and it's not like he's completely unproductive. He's just mm-hmm. he wasn't a regular starter, and when he was in there, he wasn't necessarily like racking up tackles or tackles for loss. But that that's not right. necessarily what you would expect. That's why I put the PFF numbers there because he was perfectly effective. Um, from a pro football focus, you know, take it, take it or leave it for what it is. But it is a, a good way for us to like quantify things a little bit when we don't necessarily have the ability to sit here and like, you know, watch a bunch of tape and grade, <laughs> grade stuff out ourselves. Right. Um, so like in that sense, I am, uh, as I'm talking right now, I want to look at UCLA. Like what, what was Jay Toya's, uh, PFF grade, uh, this past year? Cause I know it wasn't that good, but, uh, you know, UCLA would tell you that Jay Toya was, yeah, Jay Toya graded out as a 56.3 at nose tackle this year. By the way. That's pretty bad in terms of like PFF grade, but. Jay Toya, 28 tackle total tackles in 2023, mm-hmm. identical to Stevie Toga Levantus, 28 <laughs> at Utah in 2015. Yeah. Um, hey, just saying. But my, my, my larger point being is that, like, the fact that Rakes was grading out as highly as he did on, on PFF is a really good sign that he right. um, has his technique relatively mm-hmm. well. He, 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 he covers his assignments relatively well, all those kinds of stuff. And then he obviously brings the size. And we know that uh, Danton Lynn's defense can be extremely effective with a space eater who, you know, grades out significantly lower than that but opens up opportunities for the talented guys on the edge. Now the question for USC is, um, can USC get Leatu Latu and Gabriel Murphy level um, productivity from the guys on the edge? Well, I don't think there's any reason why you can't expect Bear Alexander to come out and be like, look like an NFL guy, a future NFL guy. Um, The bigger question is, is what does USC's guy, what do guys, USC's guy do on the edge and all of that kind of stuff. But you are now set up to give those guys that opportunity because you have a run stopping nose tackle with legitimate size in the center of your defense. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see how uh, Rakes comes in there. Uh, Alex in the chat says, I can't wait till spring practice. It's, It's amazing really how like the combination of the holiday bowl the transfer portal all this stuff that the hire of dan lynn uh all of this i think people have rebought in like there's this there's this cycle right like there's this ongoing cycle of how uh, of how college football fandom goes in the off season it like it ramps up at the beginning because all this stuff happens and then there's this lull and then it starts to ramp up again more and more and more as the season gets on and then the season happens then all the anxiety of the season happens uh all the frustrations of whatever happens all the over magnification of every single results then the morale goes down if you're not winning or up if you are and then it just restarts over at the end of the year um everything uh, sort of ramps up towards next year, onward and upward. But someone who won't be here next year is Nick Saban. 
Uh, the other big news today, Nick Saban announces that he's retiring, told the Alabama Crimson Tide. A uh, lot of names out there. Um, Dan Lanning is the top target uh, per Brett McMurphy. Pete Thamel's targeted, uh, projected target list is Dan Lanning of Oregon, Kalen DeBoer of Washington, uh, Dabo Swinney of, of Clemson, James Franklin of Penn State, Mike Norvell of Florida State, and Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame. Uh, there's a 30-day window for Alabama players to enter the transfer portal, and recruits can get out of their uh, their LOIs. Um, Alicia, th- did you expect this? Because I feel like it came completely out of left field, out of nowhere. What, like, what is up with this timing? Like, I, was this him waiting until the end of the season so that way, like, he didn't? you know, upstage the, the national title game. Was it making sure that the recruiting cycle stuff was over? Like, I I got no clue. I think you're right that the timing of it makes it surprising. it, It shouldn't be surprising because we've been talking about Nick Saban retiring for several years now. Right. Earlier this season, I was on the false start podcast and we were talking when Alabama was looking really shaky. And I was talking about how, you know, Nick Saban, he just doesn't look like he's, he, he doesn't look engaged on the sideline. He doesn't look like he, like he looked a little bit joyless early in the season. I think he recovered mm-hmm. that quite a bit as, as Alabama went on that run. Yeah. And you see what a, what just a, a, a legendary level head coach he is that, on the the downest year for Alabama, I can remember they still beat Georgia in the SEC title game and get to the playoff. Mm-hmm. So that tells you the level that he built at that program. But um, it was still it's still a surprise and still unsettling to think about college football without Nick Saban at Alabama. It's 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 just been the reality for for so long. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the obvious, like just look back at the out at the Nick Saban's dominance with Alabama and, and appreciation for uh, his immense ability as a, as a coach to reinvent himself over and over and over again, while always seeming to deal with, uh, with the brain drain of his assistant coaches still being able to, well, I think to that's ramp the back thing, up. right? Like we, we've talked about before, this happens the same day that Pete Carroll is out as the head coach of the Seahawks, which we talked about in the open, but yeah, the, I've always had so much respect for what Alabama has done under Nick Saban because of how crazy it's been that he's reinvented the wheel with himself multiple times. And he did what Pete Carroll couldn't do. Um, On one hand, Pete Carroll didn't have the opportunity to do it at SC because he ended up leaving Mm -hmm. um, and going to the NFL with the Seahawks. The other part of it is I don't know that Pete Carroll would have done it. Like, well, who does it? Mo- like the nobody vast majority, does it, right? Even the like, great head coaches don't don't do it. Like eventually, you just you you, you gotta ma- fail before you reinvent yourself. Go look at Kiffin and Sark had to epically fail for them yeah. to sort of come back to a position where they could you know win ten games and all that stuff. Like Nick Saban. Uh, yes, he he had those opportunities early on in his career, but when he got to Alabama and built the juggernaut. Um, they are a completely different football team now than they were 15 years ago. 15 years ago, it was mm-hmm. the talk was, well, Oregon's a gimmick offense and they run the blur. And here's Nick Saban, who three yards in a cloud of dust, who plays football the the, the old-fashioned way and, and is going to prove to everybody that's the right way to play. Now they're throwing the ball 50 times a game just like everybody else. Yeah, they have the, the, their quarterback uh, has the record for the most passing yards in a national title game uh in uh in um yeah they, uh, they, they're completely the, oh different forgetting and with, with all these different Jones. changes um all these different changes in the coaching staff which is what Pete Carroll didn't do because Pete Carroll had the brain drain uh and ended up where he started out and like Rocky Setter was well, a did- was a grad transfer and at the end Rocky Setter was the d- defensive coordinator he yeah. just moved everybody up the whole Can- time l- Pete was able to deal with brain drain for a while, though. He lost yes. Chow, replaced him with Kiffin, replaced Kiffin with Sark. But, like, eventually, yeah, you run out. Eventually, you you run out of juice, and, and Nick Saban never did. Um, but now now he's retired, and now 
And now the feeding frenzy begins because, you know, the transfer portal is closed. You cannot enter the transfer portal. But if your coach, Except for Alabama if players. your coach yeah. leaves, fired, retired, anything like that, there is a 30 day window for players on that team to enter the portal. So Alabama is now going to be, uh, everybody is going to be on the radar for any players at Alabama who are interested in leaving. Um, any mm-hmm. of their recruits can get out of their letters of intent. So those will be guys that everyone is targeting. It's definitely something to, to keep an eye out yeah. for. I did a quick look at their recruiting class and, there didn't necessarily see anyone that jumps out as like a USC was definitely in the mix for them. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect on, on that front. I mean, Zabian Brown, the, the cornerback from modern day uh, is, is there and the, um, and then Peyton Woodyard, the, uh, the safety from St. John Bosco is in that class. So local guys, but also, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's a bit presumptuous to say that they wouldn't just, just stick re- it. recommit depending on who that. It, it, yeah, it's going to yeah, matter it's, who, who the hire is, yeah, right? And, I mean, USC didn't have a good necessarily like relationship with either of those programs uh, this past year, and I don't know, maybe Dan- Danton Lynn and 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 uh, uh, Belk and and those guys are able to do something a little bit different. But I think it's still very presumptuous to assume that USC would have a chance with any of those guys. I, I think the the craziest part about all of this is that like. I would have expected that Nick Saban would have had it, would have made sure that Alabama had everything buttoned up and ready to go when he stepped away. Mm-hmm. And Alabama not being in that position where, like, well, we don't know no- if they're not. We don't know if they're not. If they're not Connor- giving the job to, to Tommy Reeks. Oh, no, no, no. They're not promoting from within, but. Uh, uh, Connor Morissette from 24 7 Sports tweeted that. Uh, he had he had heard that um, Alabama players were told, you know, give it 72 hours before you make a decision about whether or not you're going to enter the transfer portal. But maybe that means they have an idea of of maybe maybe and, and this will get wrapped up real quick. And, and I think that's possible. But like, I'm surprised that they didn't have an internal candidate sort of lined up. But then again, well, the timing on that has the, to be right. The timing has to be has to be right. Yeah. But I mean, if this I, had I happened last like year, they just promote. Bill O'Brien and I don't know that that's a right. Good, that's I'm a just good thinking of like when 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 Bobby Bowden stepped away and it went to Jimbo Fisher, like you you had this sort of line of progression, right? Like um, when Mac Brown had a coach in waiting was Mil- Will Muschamp, and then he ultimately left, right? Like um, and didn't become the coach in in to, to replace him at Texas, but uh, there was no coach in waiting situation, but. It, I, like of all these names that like Pete Thamel puts out there, I think it's missing the two obvious ones, which I think are Sark and Kiffin. Like, yeah, I, oh, they've got to give. I like I I know that like Sark Kif, should Kiffin not leave especially. Texas. This is to me. This is the only yeah. job that I think that Kiffin would wait out at Ole Miss for is to either go back to the NFL or Alabama. And if you're Nick Saban, if you don't like, if you're gonna be pre-approved to anybody, if you're gonna be like, yes, now now go hire this person, isn't it gonna be Lane Kiffin, someone that he took under his wing, he like, he had uh, do all the coach rehabilitation stuff, someone who has sort of paid his dues in the coaching ranks, um, after failing at USC and bounce back and all that stuff, like. I think it makes sense for Lane Kiffin. I I really do. Like I, I think the timing is right. I think everything is like works out for him to to be the guy. Like you don't have to really change anything. They run the same offense. They they do all this the, the same kind of stuff. Like Lane Kiffin is doing what Alabama is doing on a significantly smaller budget. Like how is it not that how, like. Yes, I, I get the point of like Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer, Lanning especially because we've seen him be successful at Georgia and the SEC uh, under under Kirby. But like Kiffin is the the guy that just plugs in, right? I think, and, and it seems crazy. Like I, if you would have told me ten years ago that I would be saying this right now, I would have laughed your head <laughs> off. No, I I think that Kiffin makes a lot of sense. The problem for Alabama is the problem that every program has when evaluating coaching candidates all of them have reasons they'll succeed and reasons they'll fail and you don't know you have to give it feel 
the thing that I think might prevent Kiffin from from getting the job ultimately is just the Kiffin of it all. Just the what's he, Kiffin failing? Look is like? he too quirky? Is he too? I don't think so. Uh, is he? Is, is are they? Do they want a defense minded head coach? Which I think isn't wouldn't be a. a a bad reason to to look elsewhere. Um, I don't know. I don't. I. 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 For some reason, I well, well, one hundred percent agree that Kevin makes a lot of sense for them. For some reason, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, Steve Sarkeesian should use this to get a to get a raise and an extension from Texas, sure. but he should absolutely not leave Texas, um, where he's where he's got it sort of pretty. He seems to have it figured out, and don't don't make that jump. Um, Lanning is really interesting, but Lanning's a huge risk too. Like we've seen a oh. billion, um, a, a billion sort of hotshot young, uh, young head coaches who get their I mean, next. Take, everybody is a risk. This is everyone triple, is, right? yeah, like, and that's why it's so intriguing. Like it's so intriguing where Alabama goes next. And the good thing is that at Alabama, you you land on third base and and right. Well, th- this is why. Like I think there's. You know, I, I think it was uh, Stuart Mandel tweeted that you wouldn't want to be the the coach to to follow Saban. You want to be the one to follow the guy who gets fired three years from now for not winning twelve games a year. And while I think that that's true, and that it's probably it's very likely that whoever replaces Saban ends up getting fired in a few years because they don't live up to that hype. Mm-hmm. I think that it's equally just as true that whoever gets hired. Has wins the title next. Wins the title. <laughs> yeah, like like the, yeah. It, that's how volatile it is. That, yeah. That's how volatile it, it it is here, and and it's interesting because if you're talking about like go hire the best coach in college football, then yeah, I would say go get Lanning or DeBoer probably, for for like long term, like go hire the guy who I'd you want DeBoer. to be the head coach for the next twenty years. Then it's Lanning or DeBoer for me. If. I, I would get DeBoer just because of the track record at NAIA level and, and another guy what, who paid his dues, right? He, but like, he paid his dues, what yeah. he's done at Washington, what he did at Fresno State. Like he's gone up the ladder, and I think he's yeah. he's he's just way more proven to me than the other options. Yes. I think um, the difference is DeBoer is more proven than Lanning. I think Lanning's Lanning, more exciting. I think Lanning is more proven to work in the environment of like. NIL and recruiting yeah. and all that kind of stuff, which makes that which interesting critical. there. Yeah. The other name, I know he's not high on the people's radar at the moment, but Lincoln Riley? <laughs> just saying. No, just, absolutely not. Just just, just saying. No, um, Alabama will not. We're, Alabama they, wouldn't. They, just, they, they wouldn't at this because moment, the, because for sure. Even, even, if, even if USC was coming off of like, a, a better season than this. Sure. I still don't think that Lincoln Riley would ever be on what, Alabama's radar you, because uh, because uh, the knock on Lincoln Riley is the soft thing, and there's no way they would follow up. Okay, hypothetically, this. I, this, this is not a re- real scenario. Hypothetically, before we get to the 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 Roddy's nominations, hypothetically, let's say SC made the playoff last year and were okay, but didn't make the playoff this year. They went ten and two, finished third in the in the Pac-12. Lost to Oregon and Washington. Oregon and Washington clearly better, but in other words, SC didn't epically fail this year. Mm-hmm. Um, good, not great, uh, but they did make the playoff last year. And Alabama does come calling for Lincoln Riley, and Lincoln Riley does make the jump to Alabama. How do you think SC fans would react? Uh, <laughs> I, like genuine, like like would it be this, like, like would despair. people be? Would it be like Oklahoma people? Like no, because Oklahoma people are crazy, and like I, I, I gen like because I think we haven't seen people react like that with most other like Oklahoma people had an outsized reaction. Like USC people would be mad, but I think it's because Oklahoma people had never had it in their like never grasped the concept that a that somebody could leave from you to another blue blood. Yeah. And which I understand why because it just doesn't happen. But if if but Sark like, left Texas to go to Oklahoma uh, to, to go to Alabama, I don't think Texas fans would have the reaction no, that Oklahoma no. fans did either. No, I like don't think I so think either, that's a whole like, other mental health crisis that's going think, on over there. I think SC people maybe maybe this is maybe I'm crazy. SC people I think lose their SP, shit. SC people yes, but I think SC people would understand going from SC to Alabama. More yeah. than Oklahoma people would ha- would understand going from Oklahoma to SC. Yeah, 
even if these are, even if we label all of these as sideways blue blood moves, because SC has dealt with so many coaches going to the NFL that like, I think SC people are predestined to have this idea that like, there is a possibility that someone could, could always leave even USC. Yeah. Whereas Oklahoma people never had that concept ever. Even if, yeah, Barry Switzer went to the NFL, well, but because, like, that was a different situation. Because USC fans had to grapple with the idea of, of John McKay and Pete Carroll leaving that's what the I'm NFL. Saying. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that's not the reality we're in. Uh, we're in a different reality. Just uh, as, just as a, qu- a quick aside, there is a very not unreal chance that two of USC's new Big Ten, multiple of USC's new Big Ten rivals uh, will undergo major coaching changes from Michigan uh, potentially losing Harbaugh to Oregon, potentially losing Lanning to Washington, potentially losing DeBoer. So they can't all three happen, though. Well, they could all three happen. One one of Lanning and DeBoer would have to go to the NFL. DeBoer but, to the Seahawks, Harbaugh to geez. anyone in the NFL, and Lanning to and then Bama. and then the only person left in the, in the the Big Ten is uh is, is, it's Ryan, is Ryan Day it's who Ryan. Ohio State fans can't stand. Yeah, maybe this is James Franklin's year then. Jeez, yeah. I did the greater says Riley to Bama, Carolina SC. There you go, there you go. I take it. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to the uh, Roddies. It is time for the Roddies. We're going to talk about the nominees for this year's Roddies. If you're if you're new to Rain of Troy, the Roddies are our annual award show. Uh, we do this every year. Uh, we have different awards. Some awards come back every year. Some don't. Um, it depends on the year. It depends on whether or not we have things that fit. So let's start with the nominees. Uh, in the, the, the show notes, uh, if you're listening to us, uh, as a podcast, go to the show notes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and there's a link to a Google form where you can go and vote, 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 vote for your responses, for your picks, for the Roddies. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, there's a link in the show notes and the description and as well. And there will be a link in the chat uh, very shortly. Yeah. Uh, so the Roddies, uh, the way it's going to work. You guys will have an opportunity to vote. Uh, the top three selections will become the finalists. Um, and uh, we have six nominees for everything. The top three will be the finalists. And next week we will decide equal weights with our votes, my votes, Alicia's vote, and the Robbots votes. And those three votes will combine together to name the winner of the Roddies. So let's go. First Roddy of the Year nominees uh, for the J.D. Booty Award. Uh, the award for the most underappreciated Trojan. Uh, it's Austin Jones, USC running back. Brendan Rice, wide receiver. Jalen Smith, defensive back. Uh, offensive lineman, Jonah Monheim. Tight end, Lake McCree. And wide receiver, Taj Washington. Those are uh, the nominees. Alicia, your, your, your thoughts on the, this group of nominees? That's a really strong group of nominees for this award. That's one of my favorites uh, every year. I think any one of them would be deserving of of the award. I think um, for me, Jalen Smith and Taj Washington are, are way up there. Uh, Jonah Monheim is, is definitely way up there as well. Um, it's tough because there's always going to be mm-hmm. underappreciated, uh, underappreciated people, and, and you sort of have to weigh what level of appreciation like somebody like Brendan Rice or, or Taj Washington yeah. got relative to somebody like Monheim or McCree who did a lot of really, really critical work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's harder to gauge. Yeah. I think Jalen Smith is someone who I, I have a, I might come next week and, and argue for Jalen Smith. I don't know yeah. yet, but uh, I didn't realize how, how many tackles he made this this oh, season. He was I, way I would argue on he was USC's list. Arguably yeah. the best player on defense for USC very much this season. Especially in the Holiday Bowl, too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's go to the next award, the Marquise Lee Award uh, for the individual performance of the year. Uh, you got Austin Jones, 127 rushing yards against Washington on 11 carries. Caleb Williams and his crazy overtime against Arizona had a touchdown and a two-point conversion uh, as well. Eric Gentry's afternoon against Cal was nuts. Uh, forced fumble, a pick, a tackle for loss, uh, uh, three pass breakups. He was all over the place. 
Uh, there's Marshawn Lloyd's fourth quarter against Cal. He had a buck 87 of, of yards from scrimmage. But in the fourth quarter alone, like almost all of that came in the fourth quarter in USC's uh, double-digit comeback against the Cal Bears up at Strawberry Canyon. Uh, Miller Moss, six touchdown performance in his first start uh, as a Trojan uh, in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, and then Zachariah Branch, 232 yards uh, in his debut uh, in San Jose State in week one. I think that one's going to be tough to beat. The Miller Moss game is going to be really tough to beat, too. Oh, uh, yeah, I think a lot of voting is going to go towards towards Miller Moss um, and, and Zachariah Branch, but you know where I'm, you know where my, my vote is going. I, my mm. vote is with is with the, the, Zero the hero himself. You don't give away your votes. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing it. Mm, I don't know that you are. I don't know. I, I don't will know. say, Caleb Williams against Arizona was one of the most impressive individual performances I've ever seen on a football field. Well, so. it was wild because at the time he said it was his best and worst game. He of the was trip. terrible Combined. for large stretches yeah. of that game. And then he was everything. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Brain Bleach Award. The moment you'd like to forget of the year. Uh, You got the second half versus Stanford. The fourth quarter versus Colorado. The first half against Notre Dame. The second half against (laughs) Notre Dame. The whole game against UCLA. Or perhaps you're going to vote for all of 2023. I I don't know that there's a wrong answer, but I I will say. I the second half versus Stanford was was so bleached from my brain that I forgot that this was it was going to be nominated. So, yeah, you never know. Uh, it was the least painful of the ones that that are involved here. Like this it was is the true. one that mattered. That, like it was. This is true. Yeah. But go go look at the comments uh, that we got on YouTube that day. Yeah, lot lot of lot of people were not happy. Not happy. With that second no. second half because uh, the first half was so good. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Dale McCullough Award. Uh, given to USC's best coach of the year, there's no nominees this year. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's go to the drill-worthy moments of the year. As expected, as explained, as said, drill-worthy. What's drill-worthy? Drill-worthy is, uh, used to be a word that was reserved for, for tight end, uh, for tight ends and their touchdowns. Um, but mostly it's just that the plays that make you drool, that get your mouth watering, that get you excited, that that uh, you just know it when you see it. Yeah, you know, I th- I think that's a it's a it's a good way of of putting it. He makes me drool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the drool worthy moments of the year. Uh, there's the Brendan Rice TD bomb against UCLA. Uh, if you if your brain bleeds that one, you might not remember that, but. <laughs> Uh, that pass from Caleb Williams was spectacular. The Caleb Williams overtime TD run against Arizona. The Caleb Bullock pick six against Utah. The flea flicker touchdown against Washington. Zachariah Branch and Taj Washington played a big role there. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd's cutback TD against Colorado. Couldn't go left, went right instead. Uh, and then there's Zachariah Branch's kickoff return for a touchdown against San Jose State. Uh, in week one, what is your drill-worthy moment of the year? Have a vote of, of any of those six. Again, all all good ones. All a good reminder that there were good moments from this uh, from this season. Um, I obviously have uh, a a favorite, um, but I will not speak it yet. Okay, but you guys listen to it. Go, you guys go, can go guess. vote. Go vote. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the defensive MVP. Uh, yes, we got we got to we 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 got to talk this one out. Um, there's Alexander, uh, Kalen Bullock, uh, Eric Gentry, Jamil Muhammad, Jalen Smith, and Solomon Burt. Those are your nominees. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the worst defense in the history of USC. Um, there were there were some players who yeah, tried to pull their weight. Spots. They they tried. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Good job. Good effort. Yeah, make make your vote. Make yeah. your vote. Uh, on offense, there's the MVPs of MVP nominees: uh, Brendan Rice, Caleb Williams, Shona Monheim, Marshawn Lloyd, Taj Washington, and Zachariah Branch. Yeah, this one's a, a whole lot easier nominee list to compile, uh, and I think there's uh, there's really only one answer. Probably, uh, which 
could be the same answer for the final one, which is the Trojan of the Year, which of course is <laughs> either Brendan Rice, Caleb Williams, Kalen Bullock, Marshawn Lloyd, Taj Washington, or Zachariah Branch. Are they the same as the offensive MVPs? Yes, except Caleb one, Bullock. Yeah, there's yeah. one defensive player in there, I yeah. guess, I so. suppose. Um, there you go. Yeah, I, I, the Ronnie's this year were a little bit, a little bit tough. Um, in a season that was, we probably just could have had a list of twenty-five brain bleach moments. Um, <laughs> you know, you you also got to find the bright side, and 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 I think it's really good to look back and remember all of the the good moments, the good players, uh, recognize the the things that made us happy, and then laugh at the things that made us sad uh, at the end of at the end of a season. So yeah, we're looking forward to everybody voting. Everybody weighing in. Um, if you want to on on this video, uh, leave leave a comment with your thoughts on any of the. If, if you mm -hmm. want to make an argument for any particular nominee for any of these categories, yeah, by all means, make say. make your pitch, and uh, we'll see you next week to to reveal the winners. Yeah, absolutely. So have your say in the comments, uh, in the chats, and certainly at the polls. So uh, be sure to click the link in the show notes. Uh, or in the chat and uh, and go make your 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 vote there. Uh, let's get to the mailbag and then wrap this thing up, shall we? You've we got shall. mail. All right. Uh, Donnell Smith says uh, the disrespect for Pete Carroll here is real. Saying he couldn't adjust or wouldn't continue to win championships, and he went to the NFL, won a Super Bowl, and had ten playoff appearances. Wow. Yeah. I, I, no, I think that's fair. I, I think that I, it's important to say that like. This I, is all relative, relative to, to Nick Saban, to, the only one Saban, who's ever yeah. done it at this level, yeah. this high. Like most elite head coaches in college football have a trajectory closer to what we imagine Pete Carroll's would have been. Yeah. After 10 years at USC, it's hard to sustain success for more than 10 years. That's why Nick Saban right. doing it has been so astounding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely yeah, astounding. I, I think to to your to your point too. Like, yeah, Pete Carroll went to the NFL, basically did the same thing he did at SC, where he had a group mm -hmm. of guys, built an incredible staff to start with in Seattle. He did have brain drain. He did lose the Legion of Boom and all that stuff, but like he was able to still be flexible. I think a little bit more. That's not to say that uh, in Seattle than he was at SC, but like it was different situations. But that's and that's the thing is is what you see from Pete Carroll at in Seattle and what you see from him at USC is the success of of winning a Super Bowl, winning national titles, all of those kinds of stuff. And then he's never bad. Like the mm -hmm. the Seahawks were competitive yeah. the whole way through, right. but they had a hard time getting back up over the hump and getting back up into that into that mode mm -hmm. of having. Uh, the the championship success because that's what that that's what happens most of the time. That's what sets people like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban apart is that most people aren't able to then do it again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. ultimately, what gets Pete Carroll ousted in Seattle is not that he was ever bad. Like, there's a reason why they no one was certain that he would even be ousted in the first place because they were still quite good most of the time decent half of the time mm -hmm. um they just eventually you can't get go that many well, years without a playoff win like it, that's it's similar to the mike tomlin thing right yeah, like, it's, it's exactly the, the, the thing about mike tomlin is that, yeah he's never been bad in pittsburgh right yeah. like um even when they aren't a contender they're still a hard team to face and all that kind of stuff right so like it's the same thing, and I think there's a there's a huge credit. That's how you end up being a legendary coach. Um, but the fraction of the fraction of the percent of the legendary coaches mm -hmm. are the 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 Sabins and the Bear Bryants and the uh, and the Belichicks are the guys who can you know have multiple runs at things. And yeah. I think that the, and the eventually for, your for, ma the magic wears out too. See Bill Belichick. Like. Right. Yeah. But I think that the first, but Bill Belichick had multiple eras, right? Yeah. Like uh, you look at Phil Jackson, the NBA, he had, he had three different dynasties, right? I guess you could argue four. He had four different dynasties. Yeah. Um, which is, which is wild. Like that's a testament to how good you are. Scotty Bowman in, in, in the NHL had what three different dynasties. 
that's a testament to how good you are when you have multiple dynasties. Pete Carroll had two, one in the college football, one in the NFL. And by the way, I think Pete Carroll, the fact that Pete Carroll won, it a, in both won a Super a Bowl and won a national championship him. makes him one of the all-time great head coaches. Yes. What he did was different to which, what which Nick is, Saban did. He has a leg up on Nick Saban, by the way, because, because Nick Saban couldn't, because do, Nick that Saban couldn't do it in yes. the NFL. So yeah. you can sort of weigh those against each other but what Nick Saban did as a college football head coach is still the most impressive thing I've ever seen from a coach especially when the game of football I think changed way considerably more in the NFL uh, yes. sorry in college football in the last 15 years than it has in the NFL yeah in the last 15 and it's changed considerably in the NFL yeah but it's changed even more so in college football because of things like NIL and things like the transfer portal and the, you know the 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 different schematic changes and and all those things that that have changed so um yeah i, I don't think there's disrespect here for p no. carroll at all it's just more so like praise for for how good nick saban is yeah um yeah um west texas mike says i would arrange a banquet of usc football play, players and yell at them like Willy wonka you get nothing you lose good day sir <laughs> That was in in reply to the Roddies. Um, I I get the instinct. I get the, I, I get it. But yeah. you know, also you gotta you gotta find something to be you you, you happy that, about. Well, well, this is why you know there's you know chip posting like yeah. the brain bleach moment you'd like to forget of the year. Yeah, you know, you, you can ha- you can have fun in different ways for sure. Uh, all right, that's gonna wrap it up uh, for us here on a Monday. Uh, we're going to come back next week and have the Roddies. Uh, we want to hear from you guys, so be sure to put in your votes, and we'll have so much more next week to talk about more USC football uh, and the Roddies as well. So get your votes in and uh, give us your emails, phone phone calls, uh, voicemail, 818-643-7227 is the phone number. Uh, until next week, we will see you. See ya. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.